Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Somebody's negligence 
resulted in this type of result. And hmm, you're going to have some serious, serious, serious alone time with God after that. You're going to need some serious, serious, serious alone time with God after that, which takes us straight into the switch tip with Shanti's run back to God. Now, I don't know if they uh, had the luxury of running back to God because that would assume that they knew God. Well, I tell you, if you didn't know God before, you'd have to know God at this point because that's the only thing that would really save your relationship. You know, uh, Pastor Kale said he would even doubt, you know, with all the, the, the anguish that, you know, he would go through, that there would be a time when he may even look at the wife kind of sideways. You know, maybe she cheated on him. And I'm like, well, how we get here? Didn't we go to the same place? Didn't we do the same thing? Well, that's why he would kind of think that. Well, see, with things like this going on in our heads, we'd have to run back to God. You'd have to run back to God if you were the wife to endure, you know, the uh, anguish and anger and frustration and disappointment that your husband would be feeling. And, you know, for the man, you'd have to run back to God so that you would not start to develop all of the questions, you know, that you had. So, you know, God is here. God is here. God is always here. And, you know, if you found yourself separated from God, you know, because of our movement, our disappointment in life, our confusion in life. You know, remember, God is always there. God is always there. You know, take the time to go back. Take the time to go back. He's always there. You know, the, the Bible tells us nothing, nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Okay? All right. Well, Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Let's talk about a Tuesday rolled around. And uh, we got to talking about women being desperate, you know, a woman, you know, meeting a man in North Carolina and giving him her number at the gas station, following up with him picking her up later, him taking her back to her to his house, him locking the door and trying to kill her for the thrill of it. Yes, you know, how do we get that desperate in life? How do we get that desperate where we make the decisions and mistakes the way we make them? We also talked about, you know, the uh, the woman who uh, was ready to retire with her husband only for him to leave her for another woman via text. Yeah. Really, was he worth anything? 66 clinically depressed and an alcoholic who was also a, 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 a hoarder and a narcissist. Do we stick with that? You know, writing in, trying to figure out, 
you know, is he going to walk back like nothing happened? Well, that's only if you let him. Again, we are talking about how desperate you are, how desperate you may be. How are we living our life? You know, we can't live our life desperate like that, right? Right. Woo! Wow, Wednesday rolls in now. And we talked about uh, the Malcolm X family, who's now looking to collect $100 million. Yes. You know, word has it that the FBI was behind her uh, or their uh, loved one's death. And uh, it's not the first time they've talked about you know, this assassination being at the hands of the FBI. And, you know, last year we spoke about, you know, the, the two men who were held accountable for his death for two decades, only to find out that they had to let him out and pay them. Well, unfortunately, one didn't make it. He died innocent, but yet seven times for a murder he did not commit. Well, the family's about to try to set that straight, because, yeah, they're going after that 100 mil, and they're not trying to hear a thing. I wouldn't either. It's been, what, 57 years almost? Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So, they might as well get ready to pay something. We don't know if there's going to be 100 million, but they're going to have to put up some money for that murder. Well, uh, yesterday was Therapeutic Thursday. And woo, ripped from the headlines is what we did yesterday. about here. Well, we talked about the uh, aunt and the niece in the wedding and how 16-year-old niece spoiled auntie's wedding day. Yes. When she decided to drink, drink too much and end up getting sick and everybody was asking, how you doing? Yeah, it kind of took a lot like off the aunt, and she was not, not feeling that. Well, what about the the niece who who got the gift that wasn't for her? Yes, auntie gave the gift to uh, a better gift, let's put it like that, a better gift to another young lady in the family who she felt, you know, really needed it, yeah, to kind of boost her... uh, ego and the fact that she really couldn't get gifts in life that, you know, her niece had gotten only to find out that her niece was being taunted and teased. Uh, Auntie took that gift back and gave it to the niece. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Was she right? Should she have? Well, I advise you to go back and listen and find out what the do Tom Cruise said. Yay or nay? <laughs> we had one fantastic week over here on the due time with Pastor Steph. Just another week down. Woo. Weeks are flying by. 
I advise you to go back and listen. You won't be disappointed. Won't be disappointed. Well, today is Freestyle Friday, and we get to do whatever it is we want to do. All right? All right. So uh, we're about to get this party started. I'll talk to the men. Get to hear what they got to say. So uh, go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go nowhere because we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Mason from Random Acts. Have you or a loved one recently done a random act of kindness for someone else? Did you notice any symptoms or side effects from performing that act? Hug whiplash? You should really stretch out before, like, an intense hug. There's, like, an increase of happiness for you and everybody else around you. Severe stomach pain from laughing too hard. Improved familial relationships. Chronic skipping? Chronic skipping is definitely a symptom. Becoming a better person. Inflamed cheekbones? You get butterflies in your stomach? Soggy eyeballs? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And the major side effect is, of course, dying happy. Just seeing someone do something nice for someone else can change your day. Now, if only there was like a TV show or something where they highlighted that random act of kindness I'm talking about. Again, welcome back to It's Due Time with Past Death. And today is Freestyle Friday. We get to do whatever it is we want to do. Oh, God has been so great. He's been so great to, um, Bring us safely into the end of the week. We've had a wonderful week here. My prayer is that uh, you have had a wonderful week, period. And uh, we're getting ready for that wonderful weekend. I know I am. I know I'm ready for a weekend. How about you? But we got to get through today first. We got to get through today. So how are we going to get that done? Let's see. We got some stuff to talk about before the men join us. So uh, let's get to talking. So I came across, you know, on Fridays, we get to do whatever we want to do. So, I'll, you know, I try to find uh, some mishmash conversation, some list to read from that, uh, you know, the 
something that makes you think. <laughs> so I came across this list called, you know, the moments when, you know, you just have, you had had enough, you know, with your in-laws. I've had enough with my in-laws. So, uh, we invited my husband's parents for dinner. They had always been difficult, but we kept trying for the sake of the children. My mother-in-law walked in and asked if we invited them because we wanted to announce our divorce. Three times I asked, what did you say? And she kept repeating about our divorce. We were angry and told them how we felt. My father-in-law then sent a letter to my husband at his office saying, I was never allowed at their house. Just my husband and our children could come by. We cut them off for months. I had had enough. Oh, the final straw was when we went to apply for a mortgage and we found out my partner's credit score was poor because his mom had been taking debt out in his name without his permission and defaulting on it so we couldn't get the mortgage. Oh, we're talking about times when people had had enough with their in-laws. Hmm. Oh, what else are we talking about here? My my father-in-law had sex with my husband's ex-wife, who he shares two children with. His dad nor his ex will ever live that down. Mm, my ex-wife actually told my husband about it. Trying to make him angry, we assume. Mm, elk. Elk. Hmm. All right, so my mother-in-law asked to wear white to my wedding. I said, please, no. She was not happy. On the day of the wedding, I overheard her saying that it wouldn't matter what I wore because I would not look as good as my fiancé's previous girlfriend my sister, or anyone else. 25 years later, she rarely sees her grandchildren or her son. My sons have heard her say horrible things about me, and they have chosen not to have a relationship with her. I encourage my husband to see her as much as possible, but he isn't interested. So look at that. Look at that. It ended up backfiring on her altogether. Mm. Well, uh, these are times when people have just had enough with their in-laws. Now, I haven't read these, so I don't know what the outcome or the situation was. Mm. So if you have had, you know, an experience with an in-law and you had just had enough and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Send it on in. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear about it. 
my mother-in-law started off liking me. When her son and I married and we moved states away, she put all the blame on me for taking him away. She heavily relied on his income, even though she was able to work, but refused to keep a job because she didn't like it. She would constantly ask for money and would get upset if he couldn't send her extra that month. She also told him that if we weren't married, he would be spending his money on her rather than me. If my husband forgets to call her one week, she'll message him about how I put a curse on her and how I don't let him call her. She also constantly tells him we don't deserve children and that she will never see them as her grandkids. Ooh. Well, the breaking point was when she was upset at my husband and went out of her way to message my mom about how terrible of a daughter I am for taking her son away. I have been nothing but nice to this woman, and in return, I get treated like this. She has attachment problems, and uh, mm, we don't see her very much. Wow. Wow. Let's see what else, what other stories we got here. You know, people are wicked. People are so wicked. My mother-in-law went table to table at our baby shower, accusing my husband and me of leaving her out of the pregnancy. Apparently, weekly updates weren't enough for her. When it was time to open gifts, she went to the opposite end of the room, put her chair against the wall, and sat with her back toward us, never spoke again. What a creep. What a creep, what a creep, what a creep. Wow. Mm. Ooh. When my in-laws threatened to beat the evil out of our kids because we had made the decision to stop any type of physical discipline, they also required our daughters to change into dresses when they would go over to spend time with them. That was something I didn't know about for years because they told the girls not to tell us and had them change before we picked them up. Right before the beat the devil out of them comment, my 8-year-old came to me sobbing because my mother-in-law told her we didn't love them because we allowed people to poison them. My in-laws are hardcore anti-vaxxers, needless to say, we could all communication and have not seen or spoken to them in almost eight years. Wow. 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 Here's another one. My mother-in-law forgot my son's birthday, then proceeded to get mad at me two days later for not telling my husband's cousin happy birthday. By the way, I did tell her happy birthday just not in the group chat, so it didn't count. Mm. What's the matter with in-laws? I, I don't get it. Instead of them trying to do whatever it is they need to do to keep things flowing properly, they just do things to sabotage stuff. I don't understand. People are stupid. My future in-laws fell for an Instagram fake profile scam 
They called my fiancé because they legitimately believed I was a porn star. They already didn't like me, so I feel like they had finally found an excuse to grab onto. They turned the entire family against us, and my fiancé still refuses to tell me what they said about me because it's that vulgar. That was the summer of 21. He had to cut everyone off. Wow. Wow. Here's another one. When my mother-in-law was furious that I got pregnant before her son, my then fiancé, and I were married, she tried to say I got pregnant on purpose, and she even tried to convince her son to leave me and the baby on several occasions. Come to find out, she was pregnant with my fiancé at her wedding to my father-in-law. They had been lying about what year they got married for over 20 years, so no one would know about them getting pregnant before marriage. I realized they were the biggest liars and hypocrites ever and cut them out of my life. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Wow. My in-laws refused to buy a gun safe for their firearms prior to us visiting with our two-year-old son. And uh, this was after months of strife and zero effort on their part to establish a relationship with our kids. Wow. 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 I'm a biracial black woman, and my husband is half Asian and half white. Since he's mixed, I thought his family would be welcoming. I could not have been more wrong. Not only do I have to deal with constant microaggressions and racism, but my father-in-law is also extremely toxic. When I finally got the courage to call him out on his BS, he tried to turn it around and be the victim. Luckily, my husband is amazing and always stands up for me. After 10 years, I finally have my boundaries and only see them once or twice a year. Now, that is a twist. That is a twist because, you know, normally the the son always, you know, remains silent or he halfway takes up for the wife, so kudos to you. When we filed our taxes the year after we got married, it bounced back due to me apparently already filing. When we did a credit check, we found out we were victims of identity theft. Mine was limited to the tax return, but my then mother-in-law had dozens of accounts open in my husband's name. He refused to sue her to fix it, and that was the beginning of the end of our marriage. Wow. Wow. What's with these mothers? See, I think that a lot of times they've, you know, started this process, you know, with the with the mother, these men. And, you know, it's like straight out of control. By the time these men get married And now Again I just got finished saying You know you don't Take up for your wife 
and here you are. You know, now your relationship is shot to hell, and your mother, you know, your mother-in-law is, is all happy and hopping around because she ain't got nothing to worry about. People are just wicked. When my in-laws said they were doing a family vacation, but I wasn't invited because I'm not family, but my husband's sister's partner was invited. Wow. 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 My mother-in-law stated that my hospitalized husband, who had just had a stroke, should just pass on because he had too many problems. Oh, my Lord. He made a full recovery, and she has been banned from our home. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness gracious. Talk about hate. You'd rather see your child dead? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. What's the matter with people? Goodness gracious, y'all. Now, that's some kind of hatred. That is some kind of hatred. He had problems because he was married to this woman, so he might as well go ahead and die. Wow. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Well, let's see what we got in the news. Well, this is a listener-submitted story. So, in our quick news, we have these two teens who have been arrested. You know, these kids are sick. These kids are sick. So, there's this man who, (laughs) he's parked outside of a Taco Bell in his 2006 Lexus. Now, we in 2000. 23. So clearly, you know, this had to be for some joyride because you surely couldn't be stealing this for no parts or nothing. And I know Lexus, you know, was a big time car at one point and things like that. But 2006, come on, come on, come on, you're 16, 17 years old this year. So he's standing outside his parked car and three unknown teens jump into the car and attempt to steal it. So the owner jumps on the roof rack of the car. And the driver is traveling at some level of a high speed, which is crazy because they were not on the highway. They were on the street. He lost control and ran into a fire hydrant. And the car flipped on its side, sending the owner who was riding on the roof rack flying off on the ground. Well, they did catch two of the fleeing teens, and they were both 15, and charged with assault, grand larceny, auto, criminal possession of stolen property, and unauthorized use of a vehicle. They haven't caught the third individual. The uh, the, the uh, owner, he was found unconscious with severe trauma to his body. 
and ended up being taken to Jamaica Hospital and was listed in critical condition. Listen, y'all, if they want the car, let them have the car. I mean, it's a 17-year-old car, and I understand it's yours. But come on, is it worth your safety? Is it worth your safety? Because I'm going to tell you something. The, they were going to crash the car anyway. They were going to crash the car anyway. It didn't matter. You know, they weren't running from you because you were on the rack. You were on the roof rack. So they were just trying to steal the car, period. Whether for joyriding purposes or, you know, whatever. For the thrill. Let them have the car. Let them have the car. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Okay? Come on. What else are we talking about here? All right. So, here we are. Correction officers gone wild again in another quick news story. Out in Florida, you have these two correction officers who have been found uh guilty of throwing boiling water on inmates. Yeah. And and here's the thing. They didn't really actually have to do much research. No. They found one um inmate who had some serious burns on him after a routine check, and after asking around, they found a, three other inmates who had first and second degree burns. And the the correction officers had been taking hot, boiling hot water from a water dispenser and throwing it on the inmates. So it must have been like, you know, you, you can go and get like hot water for your coffee or tea, or the other side, you get, like, cold water. Yeah. So that's what they were doing when the inmates weren't acting right. So thank God they've been fired. They don't have a job. They don't need a job. They don't want a job. I've just really come to a conclusion. You know, Shantisa said this several times. People don't want to work. So, you know what? Quit your job. You know, it, it has been proven that is better to quit your job than to deteriorate on your job. Yeah. Because I'm sure when they took the job, they didn't say, you know what, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to turn up and mistreat the inmates. I'm sure that was not your plan. You may not have liked inmates, which is twisted enough for you to take that kind of job, but listen, quit, 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 quit. Or you, you know, how many people are we finding are now in jail now because they subsequently started hating their job? Because that's all it is. It's not that you hate the people; you also hate your job. So just quit. It's better than going to jail. It's better than being fired because you can't get another job in that field. Pretty much, you know, very few people can hop around. And, you know, keep getting jobs 
in the same field and people are not checking your background and all this kind of stuff and your activities are not, you know, surfacing as to why you got fired in the first place. Yeah, you know what? All right. Mm. Uh, That's a long story. I'll come back to that one. Joe, have y'all been looking at the news? All right. Now, here's a story. They have something worse than fentanyl out here, y'all. Yes. They call it xylazine. Yes, and it's an animal tranquilizer. So... Here's what they're doing. They're actually mixing it. Oh, Jesus. If there was never a reason to stop getting high and you just didn't listen or just think that the fentanyl series was enough, now it's time to stop getting high, people. You know, it's, and I'm not saying y'all, because clearly if y'all were listening, was listening to his due time and passing stuff, y'all ain't getting high. Not on fentanyl and animal tranquilizer. But, oh, my gosh. They said that they have found a slew of people with leg wounds, swollen hands, and missing limbs out in Philly. So there's this stroll called Kensington Avenue. And they, <laughs> this must be their spot, you know, to go and get high or get high and end up on Kensington Ave. And this 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 get high individual that's what we're gonna call him today the get high individual said the next thing you know you wake up with big holes all over you and that's a woman who's forty eight who gets help with wound care at prevention point Philadelphia. They just pop up anywhere. And it's not necessarily where you shoot up. Now, anybody that is close to past Steph knows that for now it's been six years come March. I've been nursing an open wound from surgery. Now, she just said she's getting wound care help. Now, I'm telling you, wound care help is no joke. Based on what the wound is, you know, they, they, they you have to watch open wounds because infection is no joke. I spent six weeks in rehab. We ain't talking about the hospital stay. And that's about the hospital stay, just six weeks in rehab alone with them nursing this open wound that I had that got infected. And here you are saying that, You have an open wound from using this drug in a place where you're not even shooting up. So, in other words, I could be shooting up in my 
arm, but yet I got an open wound on my leg. People don't, they, they just don't, they just don't understand. Oh my gosh. So, there's this, this, this Sean who is the coordinator for overdose prevention at this agency. And they believe that this xylazine known as Trank, and they put that into the heroin and fentanyl. Oh, my Lord. Oh, I'm just breathless, y'all. I'm breathless. When I read this story last night, I was like, you got to be kidding. So they're saying that this Trank, am I saying it right? Trank is now 90% of Philly's drug supply, and they're mixing this with the fentanyl and the base drug, and it's a horse tranquilizer that they use for sedating these animals. And this guy says he tried... He tried the fentanyl and the trank uh, before he got to Philly when he he was in Seattle. And he noticed several years ago that his drug was turning a different shade of white or pink. And he said we would wake up and we would be completely sick. Well, you think so? He just got finished shooting up with animal tranquilizer. He said we'd see people walking around looking like animals with their knuckles touching the ground. So in other words, on all fours. And you would go back. Oh, my gosh. He says his hands are swollen to about three times the normal size. And he said the doctors have warned him about infection that could lead to amputation. And he says this is a real possibility. Now, this is the user we're talking about who's speaking. He says this is a real possibility. He says because a lot of my friends have lost their limbs already. Uh, They said they saw a guy in a wheelchair who was missing his left foot. They say that this Sean Anderson, 44, is originally from Delaware, and said his shin recently had two holes in it before it healed. And Anderson says he was turned on to pills and heroin by his mom, when he was young, did I tell you you can't get up the you can't get away from the parents? He came to Philly after his mother died of coronavirus, and the local dealer gave him a free bag of dope. Now, I watch a lot of hood shows, power. Raising Canaan, uh, Snowfall. I watch a lot of drug, The Wire. I watch a lot of those shows. 
And when they give out free bags of dope, you know, they're trying to sample a new mix. And they it's supposed to, like, be a real good get high. So what they do is they give out sample bags to the local users and their local customers, and that gets them to come back because they're supposed to have the good stuff at that point, the dealers. So most times it's a turn-up for what they have normally been putting out there. So this is the turn-up. This is the turn-up, the trank with the heroin and the fentanyl. So he was saying that the guy gave him the free bag of dope, and he said, I got the free bag, and I've been stuck ever since. And he says, most of the people live in tents, are in wheelchairs, and among the garbage along Kensington Ave and are now hooked on two drugs, the trank, which is the xylazine, and the fentanyl. And you still want to get Did I say they were around walking around on all on all fours? You you are a human being. We are designed to walk on our two feet. And this animal tranquilizer mixed with fentanyl and heroin has now got you walking around on all fours. If that wouldn't be enough to make me stop using this drug now, we didn't went from fentanyl instant, instantly killing people. Remember now, that was a huge thing back last year. And now they didn't turn it up till it ain't killing you instantly anymore. It's just making you walk around like an animal. <laughs> Jesus. You know, I have said before, you know, we are the walking dead on earth. You know, sometimes death would be a favor. This time, death would be a favor. You should see the pictures of, you know how when, you know how you used to see like the dope fiends, like they do that mean, lean, but they never hit the ground? Yeah, yeah. This is animal tranquilizer. This is horse tranquilizer. This is for a horse. Our bodies are nothing compared to a horse, and we are ingesting. We are, and, I, and, and that's not through our mouths. We are shooting in our vein. Oh, my God. We're shooting in our vein. How does this not kill you instantly? How does this not? That's why I brought up the fact that fentanyl alone was killing people instantly. How are you using a drug of this level of potency and it's not killing you instantly. Oh, sweet Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, my goodness. 
calling it officially the zombie drug. Well, the the babies are at it again, and you have a seven-year-old kindergarten student who brought a knife to the elementary school. They say that this, you know, they they're keeping all the little names to themselves to, you know, protect the innocent. Yeah, they have this kid who got on a school bus, went to school, and threatened the students and the staff with the gun. You've seen, I'm sorry, not with the gun, with the knife. You've seen this knife before. It's these new knives, these newer knives. They're silver, and they are really, really sharp. And years ago, they used to sell, they weren't as popular. They used to sell them on TV, like the infomercials. Like they were these really um, um, uh, fine-cutting knives. And they're silver. They've got a silver handle. The blade is all silver. They say he took it and put it in his book bag. He went to school and he threatened the classmates and the teacher with this stainless steel kitchen knife that's about a foot long with a seven-inch blade. I'm still trying to figure out these kindergartners, these six- and seven-year-old people. What kind of children are these that they can actually handle these items and they don't harm themselves because there's no cover on this knife. But he manages not to to hurt himself. So they ask him, why did he bring the knife to school? He said, because, and I quote, he said, he wanted to kill the teachers and then the students by stab- stabbing them in the heart. And he knew how to do this because he had been watching Child's Play. Everybody know the Chucky doll. And uh, he was imitating Chucky. So I got several issues here. And then I'm going to talk to our men. Number one, you're seven in the kindergarten. In kindergarten. Now, last I checked, <laughs> our kindergartners were five. So, if you seven in the kindergarten in in, in the in, in the kindergarten class, we already got problems. We already got issues because there's some serious educational delay, some intellectual delay, some developmental delay here, that you are not out of kindergarten. Because normally you're five in in kindergarten, you're six in first grade, and you're seven in second grade. What happened here? Number two, clearly... Ain't nobody looking in this book bag. 
Now, if I got a kindergartner, I think I need to be looking in a, in a book bag, just just for principal purposes. Let me see what you got in this book bag. Now, clearly, you didn't pick up the book bag because if you got a 12-inch knife with a 7-inch blade, you didn't miss the knife from the kitchen. Now, you might not check the kitchen drawer first thing in the morning before you take the kid to school, but the book bag has got to be just a tad bit heavier than it normally is. And I'm not asking you what's in the book bag. I'm looking in the book bag. And then, again, this is what happens when we sit these kids in front of the TV or take them to the movies and think nothing of it. We let them see whatever it is we're looking at. And I don't understand. Because now he's going to kill the the teacher and the students, the classmates, by stabbing them in the heart. Did I get that right? Yeah. He wants to kill the teachers and the students by stabbing them in the heart. And you able to articulate all of this at seven. Okay, I need to talk to my men. Where the father's at? Where the father's at? Brother Al, good morning. Brother Al, good morning. Brother Al, good morning. Chop of the morning. Chop of the morning. I don't know where you get all these crazy stories from, but these people have gone mad. (laughs) Brother Al, brother Al, brother Al. I mean, if you got some crud in your eyes, Ain't no crud in your eyes after you read these stories. These people are crazy. So we're going to start off with Chucky, who's in the kindergarten class at seven. Now, are my age calculations off, or should you be in the second grade by the time you're seven? Uh, yeah, I think you should be in the second grade by that time. If yeah, we in the yeah. kindergarten, we already messed up, Brother Al. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now he, you got... In second grade, he already gone crazy. He's in second grade. So, right. you know, it, it's a lot of stuff going on with that. Um, you know, his behavior that he's doing says he has an IEP. Um, he should have been evaluated. All that good stuff that should have been done... Because I'm quite sure that's not the only behavior that he's showing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, Brother Al. Something is wrong. Somebody didn't notice something if he's still in the second grade. I'm sorry, if he's still in kindergarten and he should be in the second grade at the age of seven. So somebody. Well, he couldn't make it past. Kindergarten is the red flag to the went out there. <laughs> Nobody gets left back in kindergarten. Nobody. Nobody gets left back in kindergarten. So that was a red flag right there alone. <laughs> oh my How you getting left back in kindergarten? You ain't doing nothing playing all day. You, you, you're learning your motorized skills. And, and, and kindergarten is basically about learning your motorized skills, how to, how to oh get, get your skills together. With, get your right hand and left hand working opposite and together. You know, that's what you're doing in kindergarten. So how you do that? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. We're not laughing at the children. We laugh we're not. We're not. We laugh at the situation. It, it, this is just this is just too much. And now you become the Chucky doll because you didn't took the knife to school and you gonna kill the children and the teacher by stabbing them in the heart. And you know, this is this is a product of us allowing these children to look at T V and, and, and just look at the movies and we just sitting there with popcorn all having a good time and now he's going to reenact what he saw on T V. Yes. That and the video games, man, you I'm telling you to see some stuff on those video games. It's 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 crazy and, and the parents are like, Oh, where's Poplar? Everybody's playing it. But I had to tell some of my parents at the time, have you sat there and looked at the game? Did you look at the game? Did you look and see what goes on on that game? Well, here, and they brother, sit there Al, look at me like crazy. <laughs> well, you you may not know what's going on on the video game, brother Al, but you sure enough know what's going on in the movie. And yeah, you know us, what's on the movie. Right. And all of us know that Chucky is not something, listen, <laughs> if a child can get past the kindergarten, you don't need to be watching Chucky. You don't need to be watching Chucky if you have gotten past kindergarten, but especially if something is not developing properly and they can't move you from as early as the kindergarten age, then you don't really need to be sitting down looking at something's wrong and we don't need to be taking any chances with you. So I, I don't know, Brother right. Al. All right. So, Brother yeah. Al, help me with this one. You have out in Philly where they call them zombies. The addicts are called yeah. zombies because they are mixing xylazin and which is what they're calling trank with fentanyl and heroin. And it's so potent mm. that they say that you are getting leg wounds, wounds in other parts of your body, swollen hands, and now it, it, it has been so bad that you now have missing limbs. They have to get, amputate your limbs because this drug is an animal tranquilizer that is so potent that it has some people walking on all fours. And y'all still getting high? Yeah, that that becomes a mental thing now. Now you're just playing crazy, you know. Um, it, you know, I've spoke with drug addicts, uh, people that used to be drug addicts. My father, when he used to be on it, and one thing they said is that they do all this different stuff is because they're trying to get that first high that they had, that first high that they got when they first started. They chasing that, so they'll try anything to try to reenact that first hot. There were some people one time even smoking marijuana and lace it with embalming fluid. And I'm looking at this. Do you know what embalming fluid is? That, 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 that they're putting when you die. But they heard, oh, this gave you a high. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Like, this is a 
a tranquilizer made for animals, not humans, for animals. Why? Why would you even think to get that? But again, they chasing that first high. That's, that's insane. And then you look at it. How they get them? That just goes to show you you can get anything. How you even getting that? You don't need any horses. You in the hood. You ain't got no horse. The most you got is a dog. <laughs> yeah. The most you got is a dog. So how you getting the horse straight up? Yeah. Oh my God. That this is why we need Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, I've heard that before. You know, they say you know they they trying to get that first high, which never happens. Uh, once you get high the first time, it ain't never gonna be a first high. Hello. Right. You never. Once you have a first, that's it. A second is not a first. A 99th is not a first. You're never going to get this first high. I've heard that tons and tons and tons of times before. Um, you know, these these you know these drug dealers, um, they're something else. You know, this guy talks about how, you know, they, they, the guy gave him a free bag of dope. And he said once he shot up, that was it. He was stuck. And that's the way they used to talk about the crack. They say crack was one right. of the only drugs that once you got that first hit, you were hooked. And you were always chasing that high. And now they didn't found something here where this guy is saying he had it for the first time. He was straight stuck. They said that they are shooting in one area, and they now have open wounds in another area, Brother Al, that you didn't even shoot up in. So, it's, mm. oh, my God, mm. that shows you how potent this stuff is. Yeah. I, so you shot up in your arm and got an open wound on your leg. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I shot up in my arm. Where did that come from? Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yep. Absolutely yep. crazy. Yep. And and they're cutting it so bad that they're you know they have to have their limbs amputated. Well, I guess so, brother Al. You putting animal tranquilizer in your system, in your veins. That's going through your body. Oh my gosh, that's going through your body. I remember just uh, I had had several um, several surgeries, <laughs> and I remember brother Al. My father came to visit me. And I had just come out of surgery, and they give you what they call um, a pain pump. And it administers, mm. you can um, press the button when oh, you... Oh, yeah, every time you have pain. Right. And I noticed, mm. I started, we're talking, and I'm scratching my face, then I'm scratching my neck, then I'm scratching my arm. Then I'm scratching my leg. And both of us kind of asked the same question at the same time. We're like, well, what's happening? I'm like, I don't know. I'm scratching. And come to find out that after like the 100th surgery, I had become um, um, allergic to the morphine. And, mm. you know, it's all through my body now. So now that's why I'm scratching all over the place. And I'm thinking, Brother Al, animal tranquilizer and fentanyl going through my body like that. No mm. wonder you don't have to shoot up where you get in an open wound because the stuff is eating through your skin. This is eating right, through right. your body. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Brother Al, I can't take mm -hmm. it. I just don't know what, just 
the thought. Where's Pastor KL? Let's let's talk to him, Brother Allen, see what he's got to talk about this morning. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? I'm loving these good mornings. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. How are you, Pastor Steph? You messing with that stuff. <laughs> the last couple, the last couple, the last couple of days, Pastor Kelvin, very happy. We gonna have to investigate. <laughs> well, listen, Brother Al. Contrary to what Pastor KL is experiencing, ain't none of these people in Philly or Kensington Ave are, are up. They all, you should see the pictures. They ain't up. They ain't saying good morning, <laughs> Pastor Steph. They ain't doing that. They are very. They are the very opposite. So we know he ain't oh, yeah. on that stuff. Oh my goodness. They, they say. They say I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Other things you could have been doing with him 
because clearly there's some delay there. So you couldn't have figured out anything else to sit and do with him other or sit him in front of a TV to watch a Chucky movie. That's it. That's as far as you got. Because if you if you have some developmental or learning delay, the last thing you would be sitting looking at is a Chucky movie at all. I don't care right. if it's twelve o'clock in the afternoon, if it's midnight, if it's eight o'clock in the morning or night. It doesn't matter. You would never, because I'd be too busy trying to get you into something like you said, Pastor KL, that would you know help you learn. You know what you need to learn. So this, this here, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is something else. This is something else, and we are adding to the lack of development for our children. That's our fault. I keep saying they can't get out the house good. The parents are doing mm-hmm. the most damage. I agree with you a hundred percent. Y'all worry about the coaches. Y'all worry about the teachers. Y'all worry about the pedophiles in the neighborhood, how close the pedophile is living to our house. No, you ain't got to worry about none of that because they can't even get out the house good without the parents destroying them. I agree. I agree 100%. I agree. All right, Pastor KL. Animal tranquilizer is, is the new thing that we're mixing with fentanyl so we were trying to figure out how fentanyl started as a drug for pain that was used in the hospitals because that's where it started they weren't even writing prescriptions for fentanyl and then it graduated to being a street drug and then now that's not potent enough. Now they're mixing it with this trank, which is an animal sedative. And you've heard all the things that Brother Al and I talked about that it's doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I coined the phrase, this is why we need Jesus. And Brother Al just used it. This is why we need the Lord. Because when we get to this point, where it's fine to walk on all fours, and I'm going to get up and look for a next high? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, and you know what? For me, for, for, for me, for me, for me, and this is only for Pastor K, I, you know, I've talked about I've never smoked, I've never drank. So I don't know what that is. But but my question would be, as you were getting high, did you not Notice you was on all fours, or were you so high that that you didn't know? You know, so then when it what when when it, I guess it, it it got off of you or, or you came down, you just wanted to get high again. Because surely for me, if I'm on all fours, that's not something I want to do again. I have no control but to get on all fours when I'm high. That that is not that is that's not, not a good look for me. So, so Absolutely. I, 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 somebody, somebody who's gotten high before or gotten delivered, please call in. Because I want to know, do you know where you are when you're high? Do you know how you're acting when you're high? Or are you just high? 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 Are
because I don't understand why would you want to look like that again. I mean, you may want to feel like that, but why would you want to look like that again? Well, Pastor Kale, you're not alone. I have to tell you, you're not alone because I, I'm sitting on this side as I'm going through the story and I'm talking to, you know, the listeners. I have to also say that was my thought. I, I cannot attest to ever being drunk. I cannot attest to ever being high because I've never smoked or drank myself or got high myself. And my thought was, okay, you may not have realized, because there's many people who, and we have a comment from a listener, but we, we, we you may have not have ever, um, you know, a lot of times people who drink will tell, well, oh, I did that. I remember I watching a couple of people who had been drinking, and I would say, do you know you were doing that? And they were like, no, and they'll laugh. They're like, oh, damn, I was doing that. And I'm saying to myself, when somebody told me that I was that drunk, and see, all, in my head, all you need to do is tell me I did something that I can't remember. That would stop me right there. That would stop right, any right. getting high, getting drunk for Stephanie. And I'm I'm with you here. That all you have to do is tell me, Stephanie. And see, let me t- let me t- let me tell you this this real quick before I I uh, pull up Shanti's for the comment. Do you know what always kept me from getting high? Because I always said I would be the person, I would be the person who would would take the same drug you took, but I'd be standing out on the ledge talking about I could fly. That's what always kept me from getting high. Because I always said, well, you know what? I'd be the one who'd be standing out there thinking I could fly, and I'd be trying to kill myself. And I wouldn't realize how high I was. And that always stopped me. I was like, nah. Nah, 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 nah. Nah. So I'm, uh, hmm. I'm with you. When you tell me stuff, do you realize you was on all fours? You never got to worry about me getting high no more. But on the flip side of that, Pastor KL, that might be the very thing some people are still chasing, like Brother Al was talking about. Yo, that made me, yo, I was feeling. They're not looking for the look. They're looking for the feel is what you just got finished saying. And that's what they're chasing. That's what Brother Al was talking about. They chasing that high. How were they feeling? That's the scary part, Pastor KL. That being on all fours wouldn't even matter. Let me make sure we still got this comment because I'm kind of getting some. Do we still have the comment, Shanti's? Let me know. Just tell me yes or no. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So she's saying yes. Pastor KL, he said, can somebody please call in? Shantice, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm lost. I'm okay, thanks. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good, good. Speak in the phone. I can't hear you. Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you much better. Thank you. What's the comment? Okay, so a listener sent in that they're mixing meth and fentanyl and making a new drug. 
Oh, okay. I thought they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. Well that's a different drug. The meth and the fentanyl right. is yeah. another drug. Right. Because this this is right. a whole that, different drug. This... Yeah, they started making it say? over the pandemic. They started making it over the pandemic. This particular drug or the meth and the fentanyl? No, the new drug that that is, um, consists of meth and fentanyl was made over the pandemic in 2020. Oh, okay, okay. So we have another drug that's being introduced to us with meth and fentanyl. Oh, okay. Mm. All righty. I'm trying well, to find the name of it. If I find the name of it, I'll get back to you. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, listener. You're thank welcome. you, listener. All righty. Can I get a you know, pass the please? A formal crackhead. Can you call it? Don't be ashamed. You ain't got to put your name out there. Just let me know. And by the words of their testimony. <laughs> the only we only have the ex-alcoholics, uh, Pastor Kale. We don't have yet. We have not graduated to those who have used the meth and fentanyl, this trank and and fentanyl crack. We haven't, you know, we haven't graduated to those listeners yet. So you know, we just gonna keep praying and and asking God to deliver those people and. You know, it, it, this is this is some serious stuff here. Uh, all right, you know, I, I actually we're, we're we're early enough to get our topic in today, and it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. And you know, I've been posting this for a minute for you men to talk about, but we never get past the news. So today, you know, thanks to us <laughs> talking about these particular topics, you know, these are signs that you're stuck in life. And, you know, uh, let's just talk. Let's just talk because my head is still wrapped around this whole on all fours. All right. One of the signs they say that you can tell (laughs) that you're stuck in life is you feel like you're just going through the motions. Brother Al, are you stuck in life when you feel like you're just going through motions? Yeah, I believe so because you're, you're not into what you're doing. You just I'm I'm here. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just go wherever however it comes. I'm just gonna do it. So you you're not into what you're doing. So you you're just going through the motions again because like you have to just like going to a job. I hate this job, but you know I'm gonna get up. Get dressed, get in the car, drive to the job. You know, basically, I'm just going to be the usual. So I would say, yes, you, you're stuck in life, especially if you're on all four. You're stuck in life. All right. Pastor KL, is that a sign that you're stuck in life when you're going, just going through the motions? You know, I, I really don't think so. You know, I, I go through emotions every day. You know, every day is not a good day, and I get up, 
I, I know what the routine is. I'm going to go visit a store. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm just going through the motions. This is what I got to do. I don't think I'm stuck in life. You know, life progresses every day, even while you're going through the motions. You know, it's, it's whatever you make of it. You know, I, I don't think that, that I'm stuck. You know, I, a lot of folks' jobs is routine. A lot of folks' life is routine. I go to work. I do my job. I go home. I don't party. I don't club. I go to church on Sunday. I mean, so am I stuck in life because I'm going through the motion? That's what I do. All righty. All righty. Interesting. All right. You you don't like your life, and you can't do anything you feel. You can't do anything to change it. Are you stuck in life, Brother Al? I would say yes. You know, if you don't like your life, do something about it. You always could do something about it. You know, if you, if you if you feel, hey, I'm overweight, you could do something about it. Stop eating. Start, start exercising. Eat more healthier. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you can do something about it. You know, you can eat more healthier. You can start exercising. You know, so, so it sounds like when you say that, it sounds like you're just giving up. I'm just giving up on life, you know. I'm this way and there's nothing I can do about it. You always can give. You always can do something about it. God can use anybody, anybody. So I would say, yeah, you stuck if you feel that way. All right, brother Al, uh, Pastor KL, you know, you, you are you stuck in life if you feel like you're at a point in your life and you can't that you don't like and you can't change it. Are you stuck? Well. Yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm with Brother Al, you know, this can change. However, if you've already made up your mind that that this dislike of yourself is so strong, then, yeah, you suck. Because a lot of times, you know, when, when you put on an outfit and you don't like that outfit, you change the outfit. You know what I mean? Or you have the outfit tailored made to you. You know, when, when, there's, no, when, when, when there's no outlet to your feelings, then you're stuck there. You know, but but there's always a, a way of it. God always makes a way of escape. So you can even escape yourself if, if if you want it to be new. All righty, all righty, gentlemen. Oh, we got you lack motivation. Are you stuck in life if you lack motivation, brother Al? I would say no to that because you always can get motivated. You know, you have to find out something that you like, something that you want to do and figure out how can I do that and get motivated to do it. So you can get motivated. So I don't, I don't think you're stuck in life because you like motivation. Sometimes it takes somebody else to, to motivate you, to get you, you know, to get you motivated. So I, I would say, no, nah, I don't think you're stuck in life because of that. Okay. Pastor KL. You lack motivation. Are you stuck in life? Yeah, I think I, I think you're definitely stuck in life because if you have to wait for me or for the pastor or for the bishop to come and speak into your life, yeah, you you you, you stuck. You are definitely stuck right there because you act as woe as be. You're having your own pity party. You know, you don't think you're you're good enough for anything or anyone. You are stuck. All righty. Okay, here's a here's an interesting one. After achieving the same results 
you keep doing the same thing, and the results are not positive results. Are you stuck in life, Brother Al? I would say yes to that because, okay, you saw what the outcome. Why are you still doing it? Uh, you you must like that outcome because you continue to do it. You know, move move on. Okay, it happened. Okay, I know what. That's just like like with a baby. You touch the hot stove. You ain't gonna touch it again because you know. Okay, if I touch this hot stove, I burn my hand. But you keep touching it and burning your hand. Keep touching it, burning hand. Now we talking about mental health now because you haven't learned the hand is almost burnt off and you still doing it. So you haven't learned from it. So I would say, yeah, you stuck in life with that. All right, Pastor KL, we're talking about the fact that you keep, look at the fentanyl, not, yeah, the fentanyl and the trunk story that you just asked. You on all fours. You keep getting high. You keep seeing that this high is making you worse. But you keep doing the same thing. Are you stuck in life? Yeah, that, that was my that was my example as well. I mean, you're definitely stuck in life. You know, you keep on you keep on going back to, to to the to the danger zone. You keep on going back to the thing that does not give you life, that does not give you any kind of uh, motivation and encouragement, or any kind of life. To be honest with you, so yeah, you you are definitely definitely stuck. You know, you keep on going backwards. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You keep on going back to that thing that keeps holding you down. And every time you think or every time you come to yourself, you know, you can't deal with being sober. So you go back to, to, to the drunken stupor. That, that, that's the norm for you. Yeah, you suck. All righty. Uh, you feel like you are not in control of your life. Are you stuck in life, Brother Al? Feel so that you're not in control of your life. I would say yes, because <clears throat> you 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 have to be in control of your life. It's you. There's nobody else around you. It is you. You you are you. You know you got control of getting up and going outside, getting up, going to work, and you just feel, hey, I don't I don't have that control. You know, I, I would say yes. You start. All right, Pastor KL, you don't feel like you have control over your life. Are you stuck? Listen, when you find that the only time you can go out is that your wife or your mama got to dress you and tell you what to wear and all this other stuff, yeah, you kind of stuck. When you can't make decisions for your own self, you stuck. When, when you're constantly questioning everything that you do, you are definitely, definitely stuck. You have no control. All righty. Uh, nothing interesting or exciting happens in your life. Are you stuck? Brother Al. Brother Al. Okay. Uh, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to jump the gun. I didn't want to jump the gun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with yes. Because what are you doing that nothing interesting happening? Are you just coming home and just staying in the house like a hermit? You ain't going out. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't trying to find out what it is that you like to do. You're not dating. 
you know, nothing interesting happened in your life. I, I believe that's that's because of you. So I would say yes, you, you stuck. All righty. Pastor KL, you know, nothing interesting or exciting is happening in your life. They're itemizing that, you know, this is an indication that you're stuck. Is that true? Uh, yeah, it, it can be. It can be. I mean, nothing happened to you tonight. You, you had a birthday. You didn't do nothing for your birthday. You didn't get a card or nothing. You know, I mean, sometimes little things are excited and, 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 and nice. But nothing, no one no one wants to do anything for you, or you don't want to do anything for yourself. You don't want to go to a movie. You don't want to go to a play. You don't want to do anything. Nah, yeah, that, that, that could be a sign that you're stuck. All righty. Uh, I thought this one was kind of interesting. You keep failing to achieve your goals. <laughs> oh, Brother mm. Al, are you stuck? In life, if you just can't seem to achieve anything you go after, well, I, I would I would say no, because at least you're trying. You you know you you got to figure this thing out. At least you at least you're trying to be a go getter. You're trying to get out there and say, okay, you know what, I want to do this. All right, that ain't working. All right, then let me go try this. So what happened is you got to sit back and find out why am I failing at these tasks. You know, so I, I would say no, because at least you're going out there and you're trying. All right, all right. Pastor Carol, what say you? You know, you keep going after, you know, going after these goals, but you don't seem to be achieving anything. Are you stuck in life? Well, I, I, I'd say you're, you're, you're stuck in, in a certain position, because if you're 50-year-old and still trying to be a rapper, you, you, this is not reality. You know, are, are your goals are your goals reasonable? You know, that, that's what you got to kind of figure out. You know what I mean? If, if you want to be a pimp and, and you're 60 years old, you know, we got to figure out these goals. You know, so sometimes it, it, it's the goals. You, you see stuff just like the, the Chucky person. You know, you see stuff on TV and you want to emulate or imitate these things, but it may not be for you. You know, if, if you can't count, your goal cannot be to be an accountant. You're not doing my taxes. You know, so if, if there's certain things you can't do, you know, your goal could, could want to be on the praise team, but you can't sing. You know, so we got to make sure our goals matches our ability. All righty, all righty, all righty. Uh, you, can't get lo- you can't let go of the past, Brother Al. Are you stuck in life? Oh yeah, you stop. You got you gotta let that pass go. So you 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 and your 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 brother they got into something and this been about fifteen years ago. And he living life going on with life and you still there standing there mad and wondering why y'all not talking and what what happened. Yeah, you you stuck in life. All righty. Pastor KL, you can't let go of the past. Are you stuck in life? Oh you you definitely stuck. You definitely stuck. Just like Brother Al said, you know, you mad at somebody, and they living their life. They living their life because they don't even know that you're mad. And if they knew that you were mad, they, they didn't even care that you, that you were mad. So here you holding all this stuff, destroying yourself on the inside because you want to be mad. You know, you ever, you ever get into a situation and it's, it's way over. The conversation is over, the argument is over, and you still want to argue. Argue by yourself. Yeah, you stuck. 
You definitely suck. All righty. You can't figure out your purpose, Brother Al. You know, there's still some people at our age who are trying to figure out their purpose in life. Are you stuck in life? Hmm. I would would say, yeah. Yeah, you're stuck because, you know, um, all you got to do is pray. Ask God to guide you where your purpose is. What, what, What am I here to do? Or... A lot of times people say, what, what is my purpose? And, and it's something that you're good at that you do with little effort. You know, if you could sit there and you could just make this painting and, and, and do it with no problem, little effort it took you to draw this magnificent photo or, or, or painting, then, you know, that's your purpose. That's, that's your purpose to do that, you know? So are they going out trying to find out what their purpose is? Are you praying and asking God? So you just stuck there. And like you said, you got some people I age, and they still don't know what their purpose is. So I would say, yeah. All righty, all righty. Uh, Pastor KL, you don't know what your purpose is. You know, years ago, they used to say, I'm trying to, you know, they chose, still trying to find their way in life. They chose, still out there trying to find themselves. You know, that was the, the old way of saying you don't know your purpose. They don't know their purpose. What, are you stuck in life if you're there? Yeah, I, I think so. But I think most of not knowing your purpose is being in denial. You know, um, sometimes your purpose is just to be the usher. You know, just to be the person who will sit people down. That's, that's their purpose. But they don't see that as a glamorous job. You know, they they, they doesn't see that as, as notoriety. They want to be the pastor. They want to do the announcements. They want to, you know, they want to be seen. You know, but, but sometimes God just wants you to sweep the church. He just wants you to be the janitor. But but because so many people look down on the position of a janitor, I don't want to do that. But that's your purpose. And, and, and when, when you can't get out of denial. All right, all right, all right. Oh, Brother Al, we coming down, we coming down. Uh, they say when you feel burned out most of the time, are you stuck in life? Unhappy, are you stuck in life? Okay, that changes a little bit. I would say, um, um, I wouldn't say you're stuck in life. I would say that you need to slow down. You know, what, what are you doing that's burning you out? Are you working six, seven jobs? Are right? Are you running from here and there? Are you not getting sleep? Then you need to change how you're doing things to make sure you get that rest and 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 not be burned out. Are you taking your vitamins? Are you getting some exercise in there to help you keep moving forward? You know, so <clears throat> those are things that you can change to stop the burnout. So I would say no. I don't think you're stuck in life. Okay, okay, Pastor KL. Uh, we're gonna stick to burned out. You feel burned out. Are you stuck in life? No, nah, I, I stay burned out. My, my my job is a burned out job. I, I stay burned out. I, I don't think you're stuck in life. You just have to reinvent the wheel and, and move on. You know, I mean, we, we're going to get burned out, you know, in, in a lot of things. You know, I mean, even even, even doing, doing, you know, the talk show sometimes we get burned out. But, you know, we pick ourselves up and we move on. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. All righty. Uh, let's take the unhappy one. Brother Al, 
If you're unhappy, if you're unhappy with your life, are you stuck in life? Um, I think you'll be stuck if you don't do nothing about it. If you're just sitting there sober and in it, hey, I'm, I'm unhappy and this is what it is, then I think you're stuck in life. But if you're unhappy and you're trying to do something about it, then I wouldn't think so. All righty. All righty. Pastor KL, what about you? You know, you, you, what do you think? You know, if you're unhappy with your life, are you stuck in life? Well, yeah, if, if you're unhappy and you're not doing nothing about it, you're definitely stuck. You're, you're definitely stuck because you, you're in a one with me moment and you want everybody to cater to you. Or sometimes you don't, you don't even want anybody to cater to you. Let me take that back. You just want to be left alone because you're unhappy, you know. So, yeah, I think you're definitely stuck. All righty, all righty. Brother Al, you know, we've mentioned several things here um, that they've listed that you, you know, that show signs that you're unhappy. I'm sorry, that you're stuck in life. Give us another example of a way you know you're stuck in life that we haven't mentioned. Hmm, let me see. I'm being stuck in life you haven't mentioned. Um, I would say if you don't want to change for the better, you know, you, you're a certain way. And it's like, well, that's just how I am. You know, I'm uh, that. That's just what I do. That's how I am. And you're not willing to change that, and especially when it's causing an issue, and you just feel, well, you know what? That's just how I am. What do you want me to do? That's how I am. I would say you're stuck in life with that. Okay, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one, brother Al. That's a good one. I hear people say that all the time. That's just the way I am. I'm like, what? What does that mean? Oh. Pastor KL, give us an example that we haven't mentioned yet that indicates that you're stuck in life. When, when you stay secluded, you know, you don't want to be around people. You just stay to yourself. You know, you don't answer your phone. You know what I mean? Um, you don't you don't text. You don't answer your text. You, you just you just stay by yourself. You want to be by yourself all the time. You know, you, you're just stuck. You, you don't want to broaden your horizon to anything. You don't want to taste new foods. You know what I'm saying? I eat chicken every day. That's all I want to eat is chicken. You know, you, you're, you're just stuck. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Another good example. Brother Al, you know, I always like to give you all an opportunity to speak to our listeners. And, you know, we've listed quite a few ways that you could be stuck in life. And what would you say to a listener who has been hearing these item, you know, itemized uh, points and, you know, they realize, wow, I'm stuck in life. What would be the advice you'd give them? I would tell them, first of all, um, God is able. You know, stop putting that in the atmosphere that this is how I am or, I'm not able to change. Stop putting that out there in the, in the atmosphere and think positive that, you know what, while I listen to this listen, that sounds like me. I need to do better. That You know, go to God with it. You know, God will help you do anything that you need. As long as you're sincere and, and you're positive, God will help you get through that, you know, and, and, and just start figuring out what, what is it that I want to do in life? What, what, what do I like doing? What do I do that comes easy 
that I can be a help to myself or someone else, you know, and 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 just just um, analyze your whole life. It's the people I'm hanging with, and you know, am, am I doing things because I'm hanging with these people? Or I'm with these people. Every time I'm with them, they bring me down. Then you know, okay, I got to stay away from these people, you know. So analyze your life, pray about it, and 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 move forward because. We all have a purpose. That's why God got us here. That's why we still wake up every morning because we still got work to do. All right. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, Pastor KL, you know, a person has listened to this list and they realize, wow, I, didn't, I never thought about it, but I'm actually stuck in life. You know, what, what are you saying to them today? Well, you know, the old folks used to say, have a little talk with Jesus. And he'll make it all right. Listen, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knew that you would be going through it before you knew that you went through it and before you understood what you were going through. So there's already a ram in the bush. There's already a way of escape. All you got to do is be sincere with God and say, God, I need you right now. You know, I I need you to show me the way. Lord, I, I no longer want to be where I am. So you have to get to a place where you no longer want to be where you are. You no longer want to be stuck. You want that way of escape. And God will open up the doors. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive it. But first you have to be sincere with yourself. Because before you can be sincere with God, you have to be sincere with yourself on where you are, the place that you are. You have to recognize that I am stuck. And I just, I just didn't get stuck today. I've been stuck for a very long time. And I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being in the situation that I am. So, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. God, whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Because I heard in the word that the steps of a good man is ordered by you. So, God, today I ask that you order my steps. Wherever I have to go, whether it's in an uncomfortable place, Father God, put me in that place, Father God. Let me, show me the, the, the direction you want me to do. Uh, show me what you have me to do. Show me the purpose as we spoke. Show me the purpose of my life. I've been stuck not even knowing the purpose, not even knowing who I was, what I was, what I was designed to do. Lord, show it to me. Give me the map of my life and let me follow it through. Amen, amen, gentlemen. Thank you so much. A uh, fantastic job sending us into a weekend, a thought-provoking weekend, I like to say, and we thank you for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed weekend. You as well. You do the same. Thank you. All right. Hmm. It's that time to hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord. Ah, dear Heavenly Father. (laughs) What a week. What a week, what a week, what a week, what a week. Thank you so very much for your countless blessings for the week. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for our lows, and we thank you for our highs, dear Heavenly Father, because if we were not low, we would not know how high you could take us. And we're grateful, dear Heavenly Father, because this high that we talk about has nothing to do with a drug. 
we're just grateful, dear Heavenly Father, because you have lifted us up out of the miry clay. Thank you for us being on your mind. Thank you for taking the time with us. Thank you for never being too busy to do for us, to deal with us, to listen to us, to address us. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this broadcast, God. Little did we know the blessing that we would get moment by moment, day by day, week by week, and now it's year by year, God, whether we are a listener and we are receiving each and every day or whether we're someone here who's been called to minister because we are just as blessed as we are forced to listen as well. And we thank you, God, because even as we're ministering, God, you are just working on our lives. And, Lord, we pray that every person on either side of the fence, God, would be a doer of your word. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, again for the investment. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the things that you have kept us from, the times when you have said no. And we were upset. The times when there was a delay and we thought you were saying no. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, because we're learning more and more and more to just wait on you. We're learning more and more to lean on you, God. We we lift before you everybody we've talked about this week in the news. Everybody. Even even the rip from the headlines people where it seemed like they were such such silly stories and, and, and silly situations people put us, you know, put themselves in, God. We, we lift them before you, God, because this is the way of the world, and we lift your people before you, God, because they, a lot of them can't see that this is them, the silly things that go on in life. We haven't, we, we haven't made it past the silly things in life. We thank you, God, because you have these conversations that take place that that help us to rethink the things we do, that help us rethink the things we haven't done, the things we've said are given more thought, the way we've behaved and the decisions we've made. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for challenging us. And when we fight, dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you for just sticking it out with us. Thank you, Father. How can we say thank you for how much you bless us week in and week out? We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, that you just usher us into a safe and healthy and thought-provoking weekend, a weekend that we would meditate on everything we've heard for the week that it would not be just a time to buck wild, thank God it's Friday, but that we would just take those moments that you placed in our life and just reflect on them, God. And we thank you. We thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you do, and we haven't even, we don't even know anything about it. You're just that kind of God. We bless your name. 
In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, when you pastor, boy, is it a job. It's 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 a responsibility unlike any other. You know, I I I I look at the surgeons and and you know, they're on call all the time. And they're always called, you know, um to adjust, to improve, to remove and you never know what you're really facing until you open up the incision site. And pastoring is is, is really a lot like that. That, you know, at any given moment, even from a very calm situation, it can become an urgent situation, an emergent situation. And from one minute to the next, you you just have no idea that, um, you know, things will change so quickly. And, you know, we talked today about being stuck in life. And that's what the call is on our life, to help Others see that they're stuck in life to, you know, do on earth as God does in heaven. You know, your earthly job is to help a person see um, that they're stuck in life, that you need Jesus, you need a Savior. And and that's everybody, you know, unlike, you know, uh, people, you know, and, and surgeons. Surgeons are not, everybody in this world is not going to need surgery, physical surgery. But everybody in this world is going to need a spiritual surgery. They're going to need an adjustment in their life. They're going to need things to be carved out of their life. They're going to need things to, um, you know, be removed. And, and, you know, sometimes you, you know, you take, you know, I had a skin graft. So they took parts of my thigh you know, and they put it over the open wound. You know, sometimes things like that have to happen, you know, in your life. Everybody in this world is going to find that, that they're stuck in life. I don't care how great great-great-grandma's life may have been, great-great-grandpa's life may have been. and No, everybody at one point is going to find themselves stuck. And you're going to need a savior. And the best part about it is when God is calling you and he's letting you know you're stuck. And and, and we may not even realize how stuck we are. But we're stuck nonetheless. And a lot of times we don't realize how stuck we are until the surgery actually starts to go on and, and now we're exposed. And now 
things have to be moved around and now things have to, you know, be really adjusted. You know, I, I always talk about myself and surgery because that's a big part of my life. And I remember having to go quite a few times into surgery and they thought they were doing one thing and either it got more complicated you know, I'll, Dr. Satterfield always says, Stephanie, girl, you made me work. I remember, an, you know, another time my mother said, they told me two hours and we sat there for seven. Because when we when they opened you up, it was something completely different. It is, that, that's, that's us. That's us. Now, God understands and sees what needs to be done. However... We don't have a clue as to what needs to be done. And mm, that's difficult for us. Because when we're stuck in life, a lot of times we think we're fine. When we're stuck in life, a lot of times we haven't we been there for so long, it's normal. And now the normal seems dysfunctional and the dysfunctional has become normal. And now... We're, we're we're working against and, and and now it's like sandpaper on your skin. It hurts. It hurts when you're stuck in life, and now God needs to make that adjustment, and God needs to remove some things, and and you standing there talking about I want to change, but yet everything that God needs to do, you can't stand. Everything God needs to do, you're upset about. Everything God needs to do, you can't see yourself. There, You don't want to be there, but you keep asking God to change my life. And I keep telling people, be careful what you ask for. Because, <laughs> see, if you're sincere about changing your life, God's going to answer that. He's going to respond to that. Be prepared. Don't look to the east only when you got four other directions it can come from don't be afraid to have to let some things or some people go you're gonna have to make some adjustments some adjustments are gonna have to be made that you're not quite aware of you know I always say people ask for you know this big thing you know we we talked about using drugs today you know I I don't want to be a drug addict anymore well have you ever noticed a person who stopped using drugs still have those drug tendencies? You know, can I get $2? You just spent four years as a crackhead asking for $2. When you ask for $2 and you no longer use drugs, can I tell you, you still look like a crackhead? There are things we do, even though we have stopped the activity or the habit the components are still there. So, see, God's got to clean out all of that. You know, you want to stop using drugs, and they tell you, watch an addict is an addict. Watch what you do after you stop using drugs because you can easily become an addict in another area because being you know, an addict is straight being an addict. You've got to, uh, an unstable man is unstable in all his ways. You've got to be very careful about the things you do. Don't, don't, don't watch what you do. 
because you can easily become addicted to something else. Why? Because those components are still there because the root of the issue has not been carved out. So we're, we're looking for the big things, but see, God's got to work on those little things, those underlying things, those things that we don't see, those things we, we haven't paid attention to in years. People are addicts because a lot of times because they're hiding and they're running, and a lot of times when you're faced with it, you can't handle that, and that hurts more than being an addict. And that's why you keep using the drugs and you keep drinking because you're still trying to run from the initial problem. And when God starts to carve at that, oh, it becomes real nasty. It becomes real painful. It hurts. So therefore, now we're nasty people. We're unhappy. We're fussing and we're fighting and we're crying and we're punching a wall, and we kicking cans because it hurts. So be ready. Be ready. Because just, 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 just go through the process. Let God walk you through the process. Because you know at the end of that rainbow, oh, it's going to be sweet on the other side of that. It's going to hurt. It's gonna hurt. It, it ain't hurt. It, it ain't hurt. It it, it 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 hurt everybody. Let me put it like that. It just hurt everybody. You ain't. It has hurt everybody. So get ready for that pain. But it's, you know, the song that was called the sweetest pain. At the end of it all, you're gonna see the light that God has for you. Jesus said, I didn't come to just bring you life. I came to bring you life more abundantly. See, we, we, we happy with the small things. But there's some treasures that are stored in heaven that we have no idea that God has for us. But we can't get access to it until all the nasty, dirty, filthy, ugly Things are no longer a part of us. We can't inherit it until we're prepared to inherit it. God's not going to give it to us before it's time because you'll make a mess. So go ahead through that pain. Don't be stuck in life. Let God uproot those things that have gotten you stuck so you can live the free life that he has designed for you to live. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank our men for just helping us to walk into a thought-provoking weekend. We thank you for hanging out with us all weekend, helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Jesus your life. Please do not miss this opportunity to just strengthen that relationship with Jesus, both right now, because later is not promised to any of us. Until Sunday, God spares, where the Word Prayer Project is in effect, come on in the room and find out what God has us praying about. 
Until then, God spares. I love you.